Today's episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. We'll take care of all your podcast production so you can focus on your business. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com. Here's the question. Are you a business owner wanting to grow your business, but you're struggling with how your podcast can help? Well, welcome to the show that's about to change all that. I am your host, Cliff Dubinois, and in this podcast, we're taking the problems of podcasting head on. Entrepreneurs like you will share their strategies, tactics, and tips that they use every day with their podcast to make it an effective marketing and revenue tool in their toolkit. Welcome to Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Hey there, world changers, and welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Now, today's guest is the founder of the CEO Collective, as well as the host of the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast. She's on a mission to end entrepreneurial poverty for women. For over 15 years, she supported thousands of women of entrepreneurs to design predictably profitable businesses without hustle and burnout. Should we all be so lucky? Now, she's a sought-after speaker on entrepreneurship, marketing, and productivity, featured by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Forbes, Washington Post, Inc., as well as Fast Company. And when she's not helping women to work less and earn more, you can find her curled up with a good book or hiking with her three kids. Please welcome to the show the host of the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast, Rachel Cook. Rachel, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. Tell us a little bit more about your business, the CEO Collective, and the mission that you're on. Sure. This is the third or fourth iteration of my business. As you probably know, uh, any entrepreneurial journey, you're going to grow and evolve with your business. But I started my business specifically helping yoga and holistic health entrepreneurs to work on marketing and sales and operations in their business. And what happened for me is over the years, I ended up with more and more women entrepreneurs coming to me, probably because just I was sharing a lot of how I was growing my business while also raising a family. And my husband's a stay-at-home dad now. So I had many more women coming to me saying, look, I want to do what you're doing. I need some support. All the people I'm going to, to help me with business, they're giving me advice that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me because I'm a working mom. It doesn't work for me because I've got a baby or I've got small children or a lot of the advice out there for women doesn't really fit our lifestyle. There's this expectation for a lot of us that we're supposed to work like we don't have kids, but raise our kids like we don't work. And so I just started talking more generally to women who were running businesses and most of them started their business because they were looking for that freedom and flexibility so that they could have time with their families so that they could live their life. But they were getting really stuck because, again, a lot of the advice just didn't fit them. A lot of the advice out there, no offense, guys, but it's really directed at men who have a wife at home holding down the fort, not women who are trying to do, you know, business. So I started really expanding who I was talking to probably about 2014, 2015. And since then, I've just been really working with women entrepreneurs, small business owners, primarily coaches, consultants, course creators, people who are experts in their field, and they want to build incredible businesses that allow them to create an impact with their clients, but they want to do that without sacrificing 
their life. They want to have a beautiful life and an incredible business at the same time. Oh, that's wonderful. I I, I like everything about what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I like it all because, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I've got friends of mine who are dads. They've got full custody of the kids. And they're really struggling. They want to build a business, but it's like, you know, I got to have a job to pay the bills and I have to take care of my kids. And so I I could definitely see why having some kind of a a program to help them out would be, would be really good and really beneficial. So kudos to you for that. Now you decided for your angle, because it's promote yourself CEO and and the episodes of your podcast really are about looking at it from a CEO strategic standpoint, rather than here's the latest tactic and strategy of how you can post quicker to Facebook or something else like that. Why, (laughs) why did you decide to take that approach? Yeah, I found in my work with all these different small business owners that it's really easy to get sucked into the tactics. And that's because tactics are sexy, right? Like we all want to have 10,000 followers on Instagram or to go viral in a video or All of those things sound really cool. But at the end of the day, all of that sexy stuff doesn't necessarily put money in the bank month after month after month. And what's exciting to me is knowing that my mortgage payment is paid no problem. I'm setting aside money for the kids to go to college. I'm very interested in the unsexy stuff. And there's not enough airplay on that because it requires showing up, being consistent, creating a plan, following through with it, not anything that looks flashy on the outside. So I realized that one of the biggest challenges I was having um, trying to get through to so many of my clients is they were getting pulled in by these marketing messages of you can make a six figures in one launch and look at this, you can, you know, put together this funnel and work at the beach um, and be making money all the time. And I just kept seeing them like sucked in by these messages that I felt were one, pretty misleading. And two, it doesn't mean that long-term you're going to have the success you want. So I knew that I needed to focus on how do I get them to see more high level and stop trying to get all these small little wins that don't come together to make the big picture. I wanted to say, here's the big picture of what we're doing and how can we set up your business in a way where your business is working for you instead of you every month hopping on a new trend. Exactly. And I have to say personally, that's wonderful because that was one of the hard lessons I had to learn in my entrepreneurial journey is the fact that when you get so in the weeds, you get so into the tactics that somebody comes along and says, hey, you can now make YouTube videos and have a six figure month. And so what do you do? You sign up for it because you want a six figure month, right? It's just another tactic that you're going out there probably shelling $500 out for the course. And you do the course and you produce a handful of videos, but then all of a sudden another month ticks by, Yeah, you know, here's how you can get 10,000 followers on Instagram and stuff like that. Yes. Definitely being able to take that step back and look at it from a high level, I I think has been, it's been a game changer for me. Absolutely. And this is why when I started using the specific language around promoting yourself to CEO, What I was really trying to do is call in the women who were done with that, who were done with chasing all the latest tips, tricks, and tactics, who were done with the trendy flash in the pan things, and who'd already been through that. There were on the other side of kind of what I call the entrepreneur honeymoon phase. 
you know, when you first get started as an entrepreneur, you're so excited, you're trying all these things, you're learning all these things. But there comes a point where finally the glossiness of it all starts to wear off and it's you start to realize, oh, it's not that sexy strategy that is going to make me have long-term success. It is the kind of steady, consistent, boring day-to-day stuff. Yes. And when I called in them being a CEO, they started to really think about themselves differently. They started to think about their business differently. They started to take it more seriously. And that was a mental shift I needed my clients to make. I needed them to realize that this isn't just a hobby that hopefully we'll make some money at. If they have real goals for their life, then we need to treat your business like a real business. We have to build a real company here. One that not only pays you some of the time, like who cares if you have a six figure launch, if that's only happening a couple times a year, what if we make sure your business is paying you week in, week out, and you never have to stress about that again. Yes. Oh, I love it. So if, so let's take a second here to talk about mindset and yeah. identity shift, which is what I'm hearing when you say, yeah, I need to talk about this in terms of a CEO. And to tell you the truth, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I'm glad that you said it. So I'd like to delve into that for a little bit. Sure. Let's, let's talk about, because you're talking about how you've decided that for your clients, you want to help them to adapt this different identity, which is being the CEO of the business. Where did that idea, where did that thought come from? And then how did you, how did you implement it? Yeah, it's interesting because I think in the last, I don't know, 20 years, there's been this rise of freelancer, solopreneur type of energy. Yes. And that is great up until a point. The point is, where it's no longer great when you have to step away and then you're no longer getting paid. And I think that's a big difference because here I had my clients coming to me saying, well, I want to be able to common things, take a sabbatical for a month over the summer so that my family and I can go travel. I need to prepare for maternity leave or they had things where they wanted to be able to step away from their business, but they couldn't because they were a solopreneur or a freelancer And that meant the minute they stopped working, the minute they stopped getting paid. Mm. And for me, I, I come from a business background. I mean, I have two parents who are entrepreneurs. I was raised literally inside small businesses. I always knew that the key to sustainable success is to not do it alone. If you're trying to do it all alone, if you are the marketer and the salesperson and the person delivering on whatever the offer is, if you are trying to do it all by yourself, then that means all it takes for your business to shut down is something to happen to you. Yeah. And I don't want that for anybody. I don't want anybody to have to go through that where let's say they have something happen and they have to step out of their business for a while. Unfortunately, that happened for my mom when I was younger. She was in a really bad car accident and lost her business because she couldn't go back. She was disabled afterwards and couldn't go back to work. And because she was only working for herself, that business shut down. There was no way to continue it. Now, on the other hand, my dad has had a business and there have been many times where he's taken time away from his business, but because he always had people working in the business, he could go off and enjoy summers and vacations and things like that. And the salespeople were still making sales call. The marketing team was still doing the marketing. The people working in the business were still working in the business. 
So I knew that if our ultimate goal for a lot of these businesses is freedom and flexibility and financial independence, then we need to make sure that our business isn't so tied to ourselves. It needs to be able to function without us always being there. And that requires having systems and support and a team in place to make sure that it happens. So this whole shift from being a solopreneur to being a CEO really means stepping away from this whole like freelancer mindset and really thinking of, okay, how do I build something that can continue to serve people and can continue to be successful and make revenue and be profitable without me having to be here every minute of the day? No, that's wonderful. Like you were the short, it's the story you, you shared about your dad and having him step away from his business and how things kept going. I will admit I'm a little bit late to the game when it comes to hiring employees, but I did. I hired my first VA and this last January I came down with COVID. So I was down for like three or four days. And when I was sick climbing in the bed, it occurred to me, I was like, oh, I need to communicate to my VA and just give her a couple of things to do. And yeah. I tell you what, it was awesome. That over the weekend, that following Monday, I sat down from the computer. I was feeling better. I was ready to start working again. And here was an email with all of these things that she had accomplished. And I thought, you know what? If it wasn't for her, I would probably be like two weeks behind schedule right now because I'd be playing catch up with all these things. But because she, she did it and I delegated it to her and she just got it done. It was awesome because the train doesn't stop because the conductor isn't there. Right. Absolutely. She just stepped right up. Yeah, she well, just stepped right up. That was awesome. Isn't it awesome? And the best part about that is when you build that intentionally into your business, you don't have to wait until you're sick to experience the results yes. from that. So instead, next time, instead of waiting until you're sick for a week, you can maybe plan a vacation for the week and yes. do something fun, right? And I think that's the whole point that a lot of us miss is we end up in this system where the only way that we can test if our business is actually sustainable and can run without us is when we have no choice but to be in the hospital or be taking care of some crisis. And instead, I'm like, well, what if you just said, I want to take a month off for a sabbatical and let the team run the business? I've done that multiple times now. No one ever knows externally that I'm actually off and going on a vacation because the team has it rolling. Like the podcast yes. still goes out, the social still goes out, the emails still go out. The team keeps that going. And because I've set the strategy and they know what our mission is, they know what we're focused on, they know what the plan is, they don't need me there in order to continue implementing it. Hey everyone, we're going to take just a moment to thank today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. Do you love editing your podcast episodes? Yeah, I didn't think so. You're an entrepreneur, not an audio engineer. The point being is that those hours that you're spending could be better spent on your business or with your family. That's why Podcast Pipeline offers full production podcast services. We take care of your podcast so you don't have to. And that means your time will be yours again to focus on what's really important. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com to learn more about how our services can help you. And now back to the show. I love that whole concept of the identity shift and everything. It's just wonderful. What made you decide to get into podcasting? Oh gosh. I've, so this is actually my 
I want to say my second or third podcast. I've loved having a podcast. I will have to say I have tried just about every platform there is. I like creating content. I've always been somebody who has a lot of ideas and a lot of opinions and things I want to talk about. But I found that for me, when I first started my business, you know, blogging was the big thing. Yes. And the only challenge is I like to write and I'm, I think I'm a pretty good writer, but I have such bad perfectionism that I will take eight hours to write a blog post. Right. It's like, I will sit there and be editing and writing at the same time and just making myself absolutely insane. So it takes me a long time to write. Then I started doing some video and especially in like the, what is it? 2012, 2013, when everybody was slowly getting onto YouTube, I was like, Oh, I'll try this a little bit. It took so much effort for me to get the video set up, right? Like you got to get the lights and the camera and you have to get your wardrobe and you have to do your makeup. And it just started to feel really overwhelming. I also had at that time, three-year-old twins and a newborn. So I was like, this is not easy for me. (laughs) I needed something (laughs) that could be done easily. So for me, a podcast has always been the easiest, most stress-free way for me to share what I want to talk about. I have had a podcast now since about 2013, 2014. And this particular one, Promote Yourself to CEO, It's this one has been since 2016, I think. And I've just always loved it because to me, it just feels so easy to sit down, hit record and share what I'm thinking of. And it's always been easy for my team too, because they don't have to worry about editing video or you're trying to make everything look seamless. You just Audio is so great and so easy. And what I really love is I found when I went all in on my podcast, my clients are podcast listeners. And I found that podcast listeners are a little bit different from people who consume like video content. The biggest difference to me is they are people who are on the go. They are doing other things. So I hear from people all the time and they're like, yeah, I went on my morning walk and you go on a walk with me every week. And I'm like, awesome. Does that count for me in my steps goal? Or is that just (laughs) one-sided? But I love that because I am with them in their life and they don't have to be sitting at a screen. So I know I go on morning walks. I know I'm with them when they're getting ready. I know I'm with them when they're taking their kids to school. I know I'm with them when they're listening during the day. They are taking me everywhere. And it is awesome. The community that builds so often I'll show up and people will meet me for the first time and they're like, Oh my God, it's like, I know you because my voice has been in their earbuds for probably six months to a year by the time we meet. Right. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love that because, and I think this is important to understand too, when you're creating a podcast or any marketing for that matter, you really do have to understand your ideal customer avatar and what it is yeah. that they're doing. And I know for mine, when I wrote mine up for my business, I specifically put in there, listens to podcast, right? I specifically yeah. put that in there. It doesn't mean no good to go out and try to preach to somebody that, you know, podcasting can help their business if they don't listen to podcasts themselves, right? It's really great that you pointed that out. Now, this is the second question I got for you here. And you kind of mentioned this before, but what was your biggest struggle when you got into podcasting? My biggest struggle was that I had small children. (laughs) Ah, okay. And I think I'm lucky in that I 
could definitely find quiet times to record. There was a lot of me recording in a closet in the middle of the night when I first got started because you are dedicated. It worked though. Now I have a I have an office in downtown Richmond, Virginia. So there's no one else here with me. It's totally quiet, which is awesome. But yes. that was a huge thing for me was just getting a time when it was quiet, when I wasn't going to be interrupted and I could record something. Once I had that quiet time, then it was pretty easy for me just to hit record and go. Nice. Beautiful. Now, what has, and you talked about this before uh, a little bit when you talk about actually meeting people, what has podcasting done for your business? Oh my gosh. Podcasting has simplified my business so much. Oh, really? Yes. Um, if I had to get rid of pretty much all of my other marketing strategies and all I had was my podcast and my email list, my business would continue to grow at the rate it's growing. That's all I would Beautiful. need. For me, because podcasting has been such a huge thing, one, I don't have to worry about social media. I, I really do not see that most of my business comes from social media. I connect with people there. I'm sure people pop over to check that I'm a real person, but I know from watching what has happened with my paying clients that most of them are coming to me directly from the podcast. And they'll tell me, I found you on this podcast episode that you recorded with so-and-so. I came and listened to your podcast. And then they sign up to attend a retreat or come into our program. And it is a level of simplification business-wise that I absolutely love. So my whole marketing strategy at this point is I do interviews with other people just like I'm doing right now. I have a goal to do anywhere from four to five interviews a month, which Sweet. usually we hit. And then I, pro I produce my weekly show. And once a quarter, we open enrollment for the CEO collective. And we find that's all it, it really takes. We have stripped out everything else from our marketing system. We don't do any on-demand webinars anymore. We don't do any crazy funnel stuff. It's so simple and elegant. And I love that. I love how simple it is because then there's less things that can break. <laughs> That's true. And it's always working for me. And it's always working for me, even if I take a break, because often when you do interviews on other people's podcasts, like usually they're batching and they're a little bit ahead. So even if I take a break, I know that there's episodes I recorded with people over the last couple of months that haven't even dropped yet. So I could take a little break from doing interviews and still will have that visibility going out. And if I need to take a break from recording, I'm now at the point where I batch usually three or four months ahead. So my podcast producer already has stuff for me. So at this point, I could take a break on all marketing activity personally for the rest of March, and I will have stuff ready to go through April or June. Nice. Absolutely love it. There's really, there's two great concepts there that I want to make sure that we highlight. First is taking advantage of other people's audiences. Mm -hmm. This is huge. A lot of the times that, you know, for everything that I see, like learn Facebook, learn Instagram, like I'm taking an Instagram reels challenge right now, just because I, I want to learn a little bit more about the platform, but I don't get the, I don't get to take advantage of other people's audiences. Right. And with a podcast, like you were mentioning there, yeah. it's perfect 
for that. It, it's perfect for you to show up on, on other people's platforms. And when I say you, I'm, I'm not talking just about you, Rachel, but anybody who's listening for you to show up on a podcast, share your story, you know, share your, you know, your value prop, who it is that you serve really deliver value. So the people that are listening, get something out of it and say, Hey, you know what? I really want to connect with, with Rachel on the back end. So there's that, that right there alone is powerful. Yeah. Other people's audiences is by far one of my favorite ways to consistently grow your business. And last year proved this to me in a big way. I don't know if you followed what was happening in the whole Facebook ad world, which is what a lot of people have hung their hat on over the last probably five or six years. And I mean, in 2021, Facebook ads tanked for a lot of people. And there were a lot of businesses who had not invested in any organic traffic or any collaborative getting on other people's podcasts or getting in front of other people's audiences. And so I'm like, you don't have any control over what might happen to Facebook ads. Right. No control. I don't have any control over what might happen with Google has changed our algorithms so many times where SEO suddenly will like get all messed up for people. But I do know that because I've consistently showed up for other people's audiences and I've built these relationships, even if Facebook ads tank, even if social media falls off the planet, I have a network that I can tap into and be like, how can I help your community? How can I give value to your community? And as long as I can do that, I can continue to grow my own audience and I can continue to grow my own business. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up and it's actually going to be the first time in any of the interviews that I've done where we've talked about Facebook ads, but you're absolutely right. And I, and that's one of the reasons why I'm on the mission that I'm on right now is just because I know so many entrepreneurs that are describing Facebook ads as a dumpster fire and a a good friend of mine, her, so her ad accounts got hacked somehow then somebody flagged her as using copyrighted material which she doesn't even have any copyrighted material so facebook shut down her personal account as well as access to her ad accounts meanwhile you know this other person was running ads against her credit card she couldn't get a hold of anybody at facebook right they said oh your review will take (laughs) 24 to 36 hours no it was more like three months before she finally had somebody take a look at her account and the only reason why they did it was because she was calling her credit card company and saying reject these charges the credit card company called Facebook and then Facebook got involved because Facebook is about money, but you're right. Facebook's changing their algorithm, their automation that's behind it. It's hurting a lot of people. I've known entrepreneurs, like you were said, they take a vacation. They finally get their business to where they need it to be. They take a vacation. They're on a cruise ship and they want to log into their Facebook account just to see what's happening. Facebook locks them out because they're outside of the country. They're on a cruise ship somewhere. So you know, podcasting, you know, in my heart of hearts, the podcasting is consistent. It's the most stable platform. You've got the most control over it. Your podcast episodes aren't going away. They're going to be out there forever and nobody's going to shut it down. I have a couple of friends of mine that run a woman's group and they, they took a photo of them together on the beach and Facebook canceled it because they said it was before and after photos. So you never know yeah. what, what you never and know you what never, Facebook's going to do. That's the thing. You never know what it's going to do. And I have to say the other thing about social media in general is that, and this is comes back to what we first started talking about. A lot of the tips and tricks and tactics that are being promoted right now very heavily, you know, the get 10,000 Instagram followers, blah, blah, blah. All of that worked really well 
six to eight years ago when those platforms were brand new and being an early adopter to those platforms meant that you were automatically going to ride that upswing regardless of how good your content was or not. You were just one of the first people on the platform to produce content. Right. That's not how it works anymore. So right now we're at a stage where for a lot of the social platforms, you know, there's no early adopter edge anymore, except for maybe TikTok still. We probably still have a small window of that. But I think what we're finding right now is this is an opportunity for people who are truly experts to show up and share their expertise. And if you can do that in a really clear and helpful way for people through a podcast, it's going to drive so much more for you than learning a dance that's on an Instagram reel with a trending sound. You're absolutely right. And the one thing that I would just like to, that I would like to add to that is, you know, when you're talking about jumping on trends and stuff, because I could easily hear somebody saying by listening to our discussion, they'll sit there and say, well, yeah, well, I just read an article that there's 1.5 million podcasts that are out there. But you know what? 60 to 80% of those podcasts go into pod fade. Yeah, they're dead. There is. <laughs> yep. There's still plenty of room out there in the podcast world. I alone, I'm, I'm trying to fight a war against pod fade by helping entrepreneurs understand, you know, how podcasting can fit into their business model. But until I really gain some traction there, you, you have to keep that in mind. So really there's only like yeah. maybe 500,000 podcasts that are out there. I mean, there's plenty of space out there for somebody who wants to share their message with their vertical, get their ideas out in front of other people. Absolutely. I think there's a ton of opportunity. And for any of the women listening, there are not enough women podcasters. We just have a much smaller percentage of women podcasting. And so I think that's something, especially for women to think about, if you're interested in getting in on podcasting, chances are there's not many women in your specific niche. And even if there are, you still can show up in a way that is really unique and has people interested in in what you have to talk about. Exactly. And I agree with that 100%. Why don't you share with us what one of your biggest successes with podcasting has been? Oh, my biggest successes with podcasting? Honestly, I would say one of my biggest successes is when I realized I didn't have to do webinars anymore because I could just put the webinar on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of that before. What a great idea. Well, I realized that, you know, again, what used to work is not working as well anymore. And one of the challenges with any platform that you're choosing to produce content on is if you're trying to get people off of that platform into another platform, it's kind of hard, right? So if you think about a traditional sales funnel where it's, you see this piece of content, whether it's an ad or something, and then it takes you to a landing page and then you get on the webinar and then you get all these emails and then you have to go here and there and everywhere. And it has a people doing a lot of jumping around. It also assumes that that person is sitting at a computer. That's not what's happening anymore. Nice. What okay. I realized was happening because I track my analytics is I was like, okay, over half of the people who were going through our funnels, they were all on mobile. And those experiences aren't really well designed for mobile because we don't have multiple tabs on our phone, right? Like we have multiple apps going, but it gets kind of confusing. So I realized probably about, I want to say three or four years ago, I was like going through the promotion for our signature offer. And I was thinking to myself, what if instead of doing a webinar again, what if I just chopped up that webinar and released it as a series of content? 
Beautiful. And so I started doing that and I basically created, internally, we just call it our podcast launch. We have a specific flow for the content and we'll produce anywhere from three to six pieces of content that walk through a very similar content structure to what a traditional webinar would be. But instead of having people opt in, we're like, here, it's on the podcast. It's 100% free. This is super high value content. There's a content upgrade if you want, you know, a download to go along with it. But they're getting it all on one platform. And then they get the invitation to work with us on the platform. So they're getting all of that in the podcast. And then you start sprinkling in some case study episodes where you're bringing on clients who are talking about what they've learned or what they've implemented. And it creates a sales ecosystem that is, it feels effortless. It feels like they are not getting sold to. They're just getting amazing, amazing content. And by the way, come join us and work with us inside of the CEO collective. And I love that so much because I I really don't love the traditional like internet marketing kind of pushy sales processes out there. I'm very like, like, hey, if you are liking what I'm producing out here, you're going to love working with us. And I like having that, having it all in the podcast, doing the launch in this way, just makes it so frictionless for our audience. They're not having to jump around. They get the calls to actions. They're following along with the content. And chances are, and I saw this too, people binge our content. So once we announce, hey, there's a new series coming out, then they're like, great, I'm listening to everything in the series. And they even if they miss the first few things, they'll go back and listen to all of it, which is something I just haven't seen with other types of content. This is awesome. I'm kind of dumbfounded. So let's go back and talk about this concept of series for a little bit. Okay. So you're producing episodes, you're getting them out there. You've got your solo episodes that you're doing. Did you just say, hey, so from episode, just as an example, from episode 100 to 110, we're going to be doing a 10-part series on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll give the series a name and and map it out. And like we had a whole series that was the unsexy secrets to success, (laughs) talking about all the things that aren't flashy, but are very like show up, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. We had a a whole series on get more clients. I just finished a, a series in January that was how to run your business like a CEO. And it was how to plan your quarter, your month, your week, your day. And so I just keep putting together these series and it creates these very bingeable series of content. Yeah. That's man. I love that. I love the creativity that people have when they come to this. No wonder why before when you made the comment about how it's just like purely podcasting for you is really the only marketing tool that you're on. I I love all these different ways you're using it. Yeah, I think there, and I think there's still more ways. One thing we're exploring right now um, is private podcasts. Yes. So I'm in the middle of a rebrand, and one of the things that I get a lot of questions about is kind of more on the life side of how I've done what I've done because I I've talked a lot about the business side, but there's a lot of things I do on my life to make things simpler as well. So I'm recording this whole private podcast series that will be our new opt-in for my new rebranded website that's all about how to make your life as easy as possible. And the goal of the private podcast is people sign up for the private podcast feed and we're using this 
um, tool called Hello Audio. Yes. Where they can basically, they sign, they opt in just like any other opt-in. They get like a QR code and it sends them directly to this private podcast. But there's so many cool things. Like I am still trying to unpack all the things I can do with it. But then I can have things that feel very exclusive that they are the only people who are getting, which right. I think is really cool. You can drip out content in a very specific way with that private podcast feed. And I'm really excited about that. We use the private podcast with all my clients too. All of my content inside of our members area for the CEO collective, all of those are in private podcasts. So we have completely set it up. Like we are so all in on audio at this point and it works. This is absolutely brilliant. So let's talk back a a little bit. I want to unpack Sure. Uh, the private podcast part. I'm sorry. I, I just, man, I'm just full of questions now. This is <laughs> Go great. for it. Okay. Go so for now, it. So now for your private podcasting, are you setting that up where people have to actually pay to get the podcast? Is it part of the CEO collective that you're making it like part of the offer stack? I mean. So yes and no. We have one that we're working on that will be free. It'll be just a list builder. And that's going on the new rachelcook.com site when that's finished rebranding. And then we have some that are exclusively for our paid clients. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So I think right now we have three different podcasts that are just for our paid clients. Man, you weren't kidding when you said you were going all in on audio. Man, that's great. It's awesome though. And I found for anybody who's running a group program, one of the challenges when you start working with higher level business owners and entrepreneurs, they don't got much time. They don't got time. So they don't have time to show up for every call, but they still want the information from all the calls that you might have or that your community has. And so we were like, okay, you don't have time to sit in front of your computer. No problem. We'll make a private podcast feed just for members of the CEO collective. And so we have one that's just live coaching calls with me. We have one that's just our master classes that are going on inside of the community. So then they can access it anywhere. And they all love it because if there's anything about entrepreneurs who are running higher level businesses, they need it to be on demand wherever they are. And if it's available on their phone and they don't have to log into a thousand things, they are super happy about it. Nice. Nice. Absolutely love it. I I could pick your brain all afternoon on this. This is just, this is brilliant. So for the entrepreneur out there who has a podcast, and maybe they're struggling with it, not connecting the dots, mindset, technology, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What is one piece of advice or a couple pieces of, uh, of advice that you would give them? Let's see. One piece of advice, I would say, I actually have two, if that's okay. Perfect. Okay. My first piece of advice is to stop letting the technology be the thing that gets in your way. Because there are so many people out there who are awesome at the technology. I am terrible at technology. I am just dangerous enough that my team will kick me out of everything. They do not give me passwords to certain things because they know I will mess it up. (laughs) So hire somebody. This is something if you're going all in on it and the technology is an issue, just hire somebody. There are plenty of people who are great. Just don't make that excuse. (laughs) That's not a good excuse to me. Second piece of advice is to fall in love with the clients you're serving get curious about them, talk to them. I think one of the biggest reasons people struggle to create content that 
makes an impact in their business is because they're sitting there in their own like little secret cave trying to come up with ideas instead of going out in the world and talking to people about what their problems are. I have a running list all the time. Like I've got a a document right now with probably a hundred more episode ideas because every time I talk to one of my clients or every time I host a call or every time I'm doing anything and somebody says something, I'm like, I should do an episode about that. And so I just keep this running list of ideas because my clients keep me full of them. They just are always telling me what they need help with, where they're stuck, where they need support. And if you're not paying attention to that, if you're not curious enough to ask people where you can help, then your content's always going to fall flat because we tend to think that we are the ones who know what people want to hear. And I find that's not often true. I find Mm. that we tend to be like a few steps ahead of our clients just because we're the expert in whatever our field is. But if you sit down and have a conversation with them, then you're like, oh, okay, that's where you're stuck. And you realize you have to come back and meet them where they are. And if you can do that, if you can get curious and have real conversations and fall in love with them again, then you will have endless amounts of content to talk about. Yes. And that's, that is absolutely true. And this is the importance of making sure that you stay in contact, that you, you know, talk to your community. Like you said before, I mean, I I think it's, it's brilliant that you've got this absolute wonderful relationship that people feel like they can come forward and say, Hey, here's an area where I'm struggling. And then you just add that to your idea sheet. Yeah, exactly. I just always have a running list of ideas. And I think this is one of the reasons like I quietly do one-on-one work with a handful of people here and there. I never promote it. I never talk about it. But one of the biggest reasons I do it is because I feel like it's getting the shortcut to all the content I ever need to create because I get all these great conversations that just keep me topped up with ideas. I'll never run out of things to talk about. Beautiful. Yeah. Cause when you jump on that call with them, you can always say, all right, so what's your challenge this week? Or what are you, yeah, you know, what are your exactly. challenges now? What are your roadblocks that you're running into? And then you just write down everything they say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. So for the person that's listening to this podcast, they want to come and check out Rachel Cook. They want to listen to your podcast. They want to check out the CEO collective. What's mm-hmm. the best way for them to find you? I think the best way to find me is one, head over to the podcast, promote yourself to CEO, listen into a few episodes and see if it floats your boat. And if it sounds like we are in alignment, then come connect with me. Actually on Instagram is my favorite place to chat with people. So take a screenshot of this podcast episode with me and Cliff and tag me at rachel.cook and let me know your aha or your takeaway. And I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. And for our audience, people that are listening, we will make sure to include uh, those links in the show notes down below. Rachel, I'd love to have you on the podcast again. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to spend spend another half hour or so picking your brain because I I just think we just scratched the surface here. And I I really do love capturing how entrepreneurs are using podcasting. And I I think it's beautiful just the way that you've gone all in on audio and just making this your sole marketing tool because I think that really speaks to the power of this platform and you don't have to adopt to all the changing algorithms of Facebook or Instagram, or, you know, have to you know, dance in front of a reel or something, which I did last week. And I care not to repeat that experience. So yeah, there will really be great. dancing reels from this girl. That is for sure. I will not be doing <laughs> any dancing. 
Wonderful. Okay. Well, once again, Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. I want to let you know that enrollment for our free five-day Start My Business podcast challenge is officially open. If you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking a podcast would be a great way to grow your business, but you're not sure how to start one, then this challenge is for you. This challenge is designed by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Now, within the five-day challenge, you'll go from ground zero to having a fully operational podcast that you can use to start growing your business. I'll be sharing with you simple tips and tricks that took me years to learn that will prevent you from spending hours on one episode. Head over to startmybusinesspodcastchallenge.com or click on the link in the show notes down below. We'll see you there.